Well, as Travis mentioned, my name is Scott, and I am really thankful to be here uh, today with you. It's uh, fun for me to come and be be back and see people that were here when we first started, and uh, as well as it is to come and see the fact that there's about half the people here that I don't even know. And so uh, both of those things are a delight for me, and so I'm really thankful uh, to join you. We just sang a good Reformation hymn, and this is the last Sunday before we remember that it's been 500 years since Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the Wittenberg Church. And of all of the historical events that affect you eternally, that might be, uh, short of the death and resurrection of Jesus, maybe the main one. Because it has recaptured for us the doctrine of justification by faith. And it's, it's justification by faith that we're going to be talking about uh, today, so we've been talking about it for the last several weeks in the book of Romans, and so I would like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, and in Romans chapter 5, we're going to find that, that God is explaining to us about salvation, and that it is bigger than we might otherwise think. And so I'm going to begin reading in verse 12, and we'll, we'll read through the end of the chapter, though uh, we talked about 12 through 14 last week, so uh, the message will come from verse 15, but I want, to, want you to have the background from verse 12. So he says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men. Because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 
so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now here, um, we have presented to us the structure of salvation. And I'm just going to start in verse 14 because it was hinted at in verse 14 and we talked about it a little bit last week that there were two categories. There were two people who were heads of those categories. Adam and Christ. And it says in verse 14, there is Adam who is the type of the one who was to come. So whatever is happening with Adam, he is pointing us to someone else. There is something parallel, something that matches about Adam and Christ. Now, the problem is, we saw in verses 12 through 15, that with Adam, death entered the world, and well, sin entered the world, and death through sin passed to all men. And so here in this uh, one sphere, you have, um, you have Adam. And he opened the door for sin, and with sin, on the coattails of sin came death to all men. And one of the ways that I uh, uh, talked about this last week uh, was that you could think of uh, Adam opening this door and in through the door comes this poison gas. And it just, just like in the movies, it walks down the aisles and you, you see the, I don't know if it's purple maybe, <laughs> but it's, it looks smoky and it's just sort of going into everyone. And as they breathe it, they start to cough. And then they begin to get groggy. And then they die. And everyone breathes it. Because Adam opened the door and that sin just pervades every human being. And when sin pervades their life, they die. And Adam, in doing that for all people, gave us a pattern or a type of someone else who would in a similar way bring life instead of bringing death. Bring righteousness instead of sin. Bring justification instead of condemnation. And they are in some regard a parallel. And so that's what verses 15 through 21 are about. Verses 15 through 21 show six comparisons or contrasts between Adam and the one who was to come. And so, it tells us, this is what, he, he says, this is what we're talking about. The free gift over here with Jesus is not like the trespass. So I am going to set them together. It's, it's as though you were to, um, you just bought a new house. And 
You're trying to tell someone that knew you in your previous neighborhood what your house is like. Well, it was sort of like the other house, but it's not like exactly like the other house. I live in I live in this new house that in some regard is better than the old house. And he says the free gift over here is not like the trespass. And the thing that tells us that there is this comparison is uh, the little phrase much more. There is these two things, and one is much more than the other. And so, here's our first comparison. Verse 16. The free gift is not like the result of the one man's trespass. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. Oh, excuse me, I'm in the wrong verse there. <laughs> Sorry. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more had the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. You have the one trespass, and then you have the grace and the free gift by grace. You have many dying and many receiving grace. And so we find that in this new realm, this new um, universe, you might say, that is led by Jesus, instead of death, you have grace. The operating system is grace. And that grace abounds to many because of that one man, Jesus Christ. So you have the first comparison. The second one is in the next verse. The free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Here you have condemnation, here you have justification. Here you have judgment, here you have a free gift. Now, the reason that he sets these two side by side is that we will relate to Jesus in our salvation in much the same way as we relate to Adam. Adam is the leader over here. Jesus is the leader over here. What Adam gave to everyone, sin and death, is parallel to what Jesus gives to everyone, which is life and justification. And so you have these two spheres. I'm just going to stop here where you only have a couple contrasts. So far, there's a few more. But I just want to stop and talk a minute about this structure where there's these two spheres because it does a couple things for us with respect to salvation. Number one is that salvation from sin is not something that enters you. You don't get it or receive it as such. Salvation, rather, is something that you enter. It doesn't enter you, you enter it. It is this way of living, this new life. that You, you go from this old life with Adam, and you enter into this new life with Jesus. And so it's not something that enters you, it's something that you enter. It's something that is 
bigger than you. Most of us think about salvation in sort of a revivalistic thing where where you have a stadium full of people and you have an evangelist at the front and he calls people down to receive Christ or to accept Christ. And it becomes a moment that is between you and Jesus. As though there were only the two of you in the entire world. Which is in some respect true. But the reality is that what Jesus has actually done is bigger than you and Jesus. What Jesus has done is that He has opened up this entirely new sphere, this entirely new way of living, so that if you're over here in Jesus, you have a new way of life, and you enter into this along with everyone else who believes. And you'll notice how many of these things affect more than just one person. The judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. And you have, um, you have this applying to more than one person at a time. Okay, we'll, we'll see this again as we keep going. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Here again is a a comparison. But Adam is much less. Jesus is much more. Because death reigns through that one man. And you would expect it to say life reigns through Jesus. Through that one man, Jesus Christ. But instead, he goes above and beyond. And he says it isn't just that death reigns through Adam and life reigns through Christ. He says it's better than that that those who live themselves will reign. When they receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Through Jesus. And so we have this other, this other aspect of the structure of salvation. So we talk about being saved. If you're going to be saved from your sins, what that means is that when you die, you go to heaven. That's how a lot of people picture salvation. That really, I'm kind of like everybody else. Until I croak. And then, because uh, Jesus and me had this little experience where I trusted Him, I go to heaven. But what, what is going on here instead is that I am living right now in the realm of death where death is reigning and I am the subject of death. Unless I receive this free gift of grace and I come over here and I receive the righteousness that God gives me because of Jesus. And then it says, I reign in life. And this transition of coming from death to life is a transition that takes place when I trust Jesus as my Savior. Not 
necessarily when I die. And so there is this new life. I mean, we're calling this series in Romans fully alive because what is happening when you trust Jesus is you're being transferred from the, the, this reigning or this kingdom of death into this kingdom of life and righteousness ruled by Jesus. And you're doing that when you believe. Not someday by and by when you die. And so, he says the fact that you are in this new uh, situation ruled by um, life and this, this, this situation where Jesus is king, then you too will reign with Him. It is this enormous promise of blessing and happiness. Well, that's the third comparison. The fourth one is, is more simple. Therefore, one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. You, you, you do see what he's doing here. I mean, you can't miss it. You can get scrambled because he goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but you can't miss it. And so you go from this one trespass of Adam leading to condemnation for everyone. And so, you have everyone being condemned because they live in this universe, this humanity that Adam started. Adam opened the door, sin came in, everyone gets condemnation and death because of that sin. Then over here, you have the comparison being that there's one act of righteousness. That one act of righteousness is not my act. It's not your act. It's the act of Jesus. On the cross, being obedient to His Father, and that one act of righteousness brings justification and life to all men. Now, his, this all men doesn't mean that everyone goes to heaven. It's everyone who is in this, this new humanity, this new universe, this new sphere that Jesus has created through that one act. Another way to picture this, okay? If, if over here there is this, this poison gas of sin and death creeping in and, and causing death, okay? There is one man who acts righteously, his, who has who's come into this world. His name is Jesus. And it's as though he absorbed this uh, poison. And through his one act, he rescues those. And those whom he rescues and brings into this new life, they... Uh, have justification and life. All of them. So again, it's bigger than just you and Jesus. You are being included in what Jesus has done for this new uh, humanity. The next one is very similar. One man's disobedience. Adam's disobedience. God said, don't eat from the tree. He ate from the tree. Many were made sinners. So, 
Let's compare that to the one man's obedience, Jesus. Many will be made righteous. You're made right with God because of what Jesus has done, not because of what you do. Not because of what your parents did. You only get into this new life, this new universe uh, that Jesus brings when you come in by your own faith. And so there's five comparisons. Here is the next one. Okay, the, the, the sixth one. And it's not in verse 20, it's in verse 21. There's been one perverse until you get to 20 and 21, and 20 supports 21. So in 21, you have sin reigning in death over here, and you have grace reigning through righteousness over here. Sin has come in. It is it has infiltrated every human being. They are sinners by nature and choice. And so sin reigns and it brings death. <clears throat> that very, that's very much like verse 12. And then you have over here grace reigning through righteousness. This new operating system that God has um, installed because of Jesus now runs differently than it runs over here. Here it runs on what you deserve. Here it runs on what you earn. Here it runs on what you, um, what you bring to the table. Here it runs on grace. What God has done. What Jesus is, what God has done for you through Jesus. And it runs not on what you deserve, but on what, on what Jesus has deserved and given as a free gift to you. You'll notice that word free gift is throughout this passage. And so, over here in this new universe, things work differently. The reason I'm trying to go back and forth here, number one, that's, that's what the text does. But I want you to recognize that what we're talking about is not something that you add on to an already full life. When we talk about trusting Jesus, when we talk about getting Say when we talk about um, believing in Christ, we're not talking about doing something that you can somehow put on the periphery of your life so that you go to heaven when you die. So that you don't feel quite so guilty. Rather, we're talking about something into which you enter that when you enter it, it reshapes your life. Your life operates on a different um, wavelength, on a different operating system here. And so what it does is that it centralizes Jesus who has opened this new life for you and it decentralizes you. It's no longer that Jesus is now out on the periphery of my life where I add one more thing to my life to make it more complete or happy. Rather, I have entered into this new life and the whole thing is 
And the whole thing is ruled by Jesus and run by grace. And when that is the case, then all of a sudden, I have to think about things differently. I think about my neighbors differently. I think about the things that I buy differently. I think about my priorities and the way I spend my time differently because I now am in this new sphere, this new life created by Jesus when He rescued me from the domain of sin and death where I was. One of the objections to this is really the religious objection. The one that says, but really, religion is meant to change your life. Okay, that's, that's what he answers in verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. That is not what you'd expect him to say. He is talking, he is talking to a group, uh, well, that's split between Jews and Gentiles, but at least the Jewish contingent understood themselves to be serious about keeping God's commands in order that God might Bless them. And so they're thinking, I'm going to get some kind of blessing or, you know, sort of like this new life I've been talking about because I keep the law. And what he suggests here is that the law is not the remedy for sin. You can be in this room, you can be in this room where, where the, the, the sin gas is permeating and you can see it coming and say, oh, I've got to do something about that sin. And so what you do is you say, I'm going to get the law and I'm going to stack up book after book after book after book. And so I'm going to make a little wall to kind of keep me safe from that. You know what? He says that doesn't keep sin out. Rather, it, it, <laughs> it concentrates it. It makes you more of a sinner. He hinted at that in verse twelve, or verse thirteen. Excuse me, when he was talking about people sinning, uh, really without the law. Then, when you add the law, it gets worse. Or if you go ahead to chapter seven, uh, you have him trying to to keep the law and trying to be a good boy, trying to operate in this old system and hope that it being religious is going to somehow rescue you. And he says, you know what? I didn't even... I didn't covet anything until the law said don't covet. And then all of a sudden, I kind of wanted everything. It made it worse. I said more when the law came. And so he says, the law is no answer. Religion... Your practicing of what you think is right, you're externalizing your effort is not what will save you. The law came in to increase the trespass. Now here you have to you just have to say, because it, we're getting now we're getting now to the point of this. There's these six comparisons. 
So what? Okay, Jesus is different or better than Adam in six different ways. So what? So that you love grace. So that you really get the fact that you are blessed and accepted and reconciled to God. And what you have in this new life is completely unlike anything else. It, and it comes to you by grace. I mean, this, that's where now the law came in and increased the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That's a, that's the best they can do to translate this Greek word that Paul made up in order to express how wonderful grace is. His word was abound. Okay, which is what it says. Grace abounded, but it wasn't good enough for him. So he added a prefix. It hyperabounds. Grace is so wonderful that it is hyperabounding, superabounding, when in fact sin was increasing. This is so great that it leads to the question in chapter 6 well, if that is really true, if it's really, if grace is really, we should keep on sinning so we'll get more of it. In other words, when you start asking that question, you're starting to get the picture of how free this is. And how wonderful it is that God grants grace. It's superbounding when the more there's sin, the more there's grace. And so the reason that we have these comparisons is so that when we get to um, when we get to the end, we have to say this new life that we're talking about in Jesus isn't a new life that I deserve. This new life we have in Jesus is good, and it's good without my trying harder and doing better. This new life we have in Jesus is amazing. That's what we're supposed to get to in the end. And I think that far too many of us really don't see this stark difference I mean, it's talked about all throughout the New Testament. I'm just going to say because if you see this here today, you'll see it every time you read your Bible. Okay, here you have death reigning, or sin reigning through death because of Adam's sin. Here you have righteousness and justification and grace reigning because of Jesus' act of obedience. Okay, there are two um, people, there are two Spheres, two universes, you might say. You're either in one or you're in the other. But the Scripture talks about it over and over. We're going to see it later in Romans where you're, you're in the flesh or you're in the Spirit. He talks about it in um, other New Testament letters. The old man and the new man or the old self and the new self. You have... Him in Colossians talking about being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. 
And so everywhere throughout the New Testament, he conceives of this structure of salvation to say, I have not received something private. I have been incorporated into something that Jesus has done that makes grace amazing. no accident we started out the day singing Amazing Grace. Because it should amaze you that apart from anything you've done, you get out of the reign of sin and death that you were born into and into the reign of Jesus where grace is the operating system. It just should amaze you. And I think it's probably worth just a brief review to make sure we're all clear about how you get from the one to the other. Because you're born into the one under Adam. Everyone born in humanity is born under the leadership of Adam. We have all breathed that sin gas. All of us are dead in our trespasses and sins. How do you get out of there? How do you get over here? Well, it says at the end, the very last phrase of this tells us how. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is this conduit that goes from one to the other. It's, it's, a, it's as if there's two rooms. One where Adam is the boss and sin is the problem. And one where Jesus is the boss and grace is the answer. And what gets you from one room to the other is Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the means by which you get transferred. And we've seen this before. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't just have peace with God. You don't get peace with God for wanting peace with God. You get peace with God because Jesus has earned peace with God for you so that by your faith, when you're justified by faith, you get peace with God. And it's only when you trust that Jesus has done that for you. When Jesus has breathed that gas and is then able to rescue you from it, that's what Jesus has done. It says it again. It says it in 1, it says it in 11, it says it in 21. Same phrase. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom? I just want you to notice the the way it talks about Jesus being the means by which you go from being uh, an enemy of God to being reconciled to God. And so I I just want to stop here this morning and invite you, not to... I want to invite you to trust in Jesus to save you. 
Not to get you, merely get you to heaven when you die, but to give you this entirely new life to rescue you from that kingdom of darkness and bring you into this new life in Christ. And really what it simply means for you to trust in Jesus is for you to recognize, first of all, that going to church doesn't get you over there. That trying to be good or keeping the law doesn't get you over there. And so you're here. That's the very first thing. You have, I mean, the Gospel is first of all, before it can be good news, it has to be news about the way it is. That it is what it is. And so you have to stop and say, you know what? As you describe these things, I have been trusting in, you know, being a good person or I have been, you know, pretty much counting on the fact that I'm religious or keeping the law that's going to make me right with God. And you're, if that's the case, you're over here. You're breathing the gas and it's worse for you than it is for people who aren't trying. And so really all all this required once you're here, once you recognize the way that it is, is that I am here underneath Adam, sinning myself because he led the way. And you have to look over there and say, I want to be there. God, I want to be in that new life. And I can't get there by myself. I trust in Jesus to get me from here to there. That, that's, you said that Jesus came to die. God demonstrates His love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, while we were over here, Christ died for us. Christ died for us so that we might be reconciled to God and come over here. So when I say you have to trust in the death of Jesus, to trust that Jesus swallowed that death so that He might deliver you into this new life. Maybe you say, that's too crazy. That's too easy. If you, if you say that, you're getting close. Because it is too easy. That's the problem. It makes the sarcastic person say, well, maybe we should sin even more. So the grace gets even better. Yeah, it's really that easy. Jesus died so that through Him, you might make your way over here into this new life. And so this morning, my invitation to you is to enter in this new life. But to enter in by, by stopping trying to get there on your own. You, you don't have a big enough hammer to pound through the wall. There's no way you can get through there except through Jesus Christ. And when He reconciles you to God by His death, He can bring you over here into new life and you can be fully alive. And so that's That's how God understands what He is doing when He saves you. When He put His own Son on the cross for our sins, what He meant to do was to say, there's this old humanity all living under the pressure of Adam, all living under sin and death. How am I going to rescue them? I'm going to make a way for them to come over here into this new humanity, into this new universe where Jesus is King 
and grace rules. And so won't you become, this morning, if you are not yet, won't you trust in Jesus and become fully alive this morning? Let's pray. Our great God and Father, we are so thankful that You have done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That You um, loved us and demonstrated that by sending Your Son. God, I ask that You would help us to trust Him. Cause us to cease, cease striving. To stop our working. And to begin throwing ourselves in the mercy that we find in Jesus. I thank you that this is such good news. And I pray that each of us would see it as such. And we trust you in the name of Jesus. Amen.